Hey, welcome to Coffee and Creatives. In this season, we're discussing Twyla Tharp's creative habit, applying her ideas to our own lives and interviewing artists about how it applies to theirs. In this episode, we interview Kai Bravo about her creative process and habits. Kai is a plant-based health coach, author, filmmaker, and a chef, which makes this the perfect episode to listen to before Thanksgiving cooking tomorrow. So grab a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and enjoy the show. All right, today we have a special guest, Kai Bravo, which we're so thrilled. Um, Kai Bravo is a plant-based health coach, author, and filmmaker. She has been a chef for more than 35 years, cooking in restaurants, on TV, and private homes of celebrities, including Steven Spielberg, Sybil Shepard, Harrison Ford, amazing, Ronnie Dangerfield, and others. Her cooking and teaching style makes healthy eating easy, fun, delicious, and beautiful. Kai started her own successful catering business at 16 and worked as a chef at upscale restaurants and two film studios. At a young age, she worked for several personal growth organizations. Over the last 22 years, Kai has pioneered vegan and gluten-free gourmet cooking with her cleansing retreats and cooking classes, focusing on overall health and well-being. She has just released an uplifting film, Kai's Garden, A Wild Journey to Glowing Health, available on YouTube along with the companion book, Kai's Garden, The Juicy Details, which is full of photos, recipes, stories, useful and inspiring information, tools, tricks, and tips. She offers one-on-one conversations to support people on their own path to glowing health. Her first book, The BLT That Saved My Life, chronicles her true story of glimpsing death, the extreme joy that followed, and the eight simple words that keep that joy alive. Kai's personal journey from years of being overweight and unhealthy to the freedom and joy of a lighter, healthier body and spirit has helped her be of service to others on their path to a healthier, more joyful life. Kai, thank you so much for being here. I'm so happy to be here. I'm honored to be on your great podcast. We're so excited. So we usually start with what we're drinking. Noelle, do you want to start that off? I'll kick it off. I am drinking lemon ginger tea today. I'm not drinking coffee because mm-hmm. it's late. Um, so I'm drinking some lemon, lemon ginger tea that my mother-in-law brought me. It's pretty good. I'm a fan. What about yeah. you, Becca? What are you drinking today? Good for the immune system. I'm drinking <laughs> rooibos tea. I normally drink coffee or wine, but drinking rooibos tea that is caffeine-free because Derek and I realized we didn't have anything that wasn't caffeine free (laughs) so we're like we need something because we're always like so like um aggressive (laughs) so like i said death is in the dose yeah (laughs) we're having some deathly doses lately so yeah drinking roy boys roy boys tea i like it quite a bit what about you anna what are you drinking um i'm drinking pellegrino sparkling mm. water classic i feel like we all are trying to, our best to be healthy this episode <laughs> or something. Yeah. i feel bad about myself now <laughs> well i thought becca was going to be my wino friend i, I, I drink it i drink it all there's none left <laughs> That's well yeah. i'm having a multiple chiano Ooh. which is yum i guess i'm the yeah. only one i love yeah. cooking with cooking with wine Mm, me too. I don't do it too often because I don't I love have it cooking around. with wine, and sometimes I put it in the food. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely Same. an accident I saw. Same. <laughs> and Kai, what are like you Ju- Julia Child. And a little for the food, and a little for the 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> There's a great Saturday Night Live parody uh, on that. I'm so interested in what you're seen drinking. Parody and not the real thing <laughs> at your age. So I've got two, I'm a two-fister drinker today because it depends on like my temperature. I'm 58, so we got some. Sometimes I'm too hot, too cold. So I have a smoothie, which usually chills me. And I just did a TikTok on it, so you guys will be able to make it if you Ooh. want, because it's really, de- mm. it's what I call when you're fed. So that's my new acronym that someone gave me at a, at a cooking class. You know you're fed when your food is pretty, healthy, easy, and delicious, because then you'll stay with it. Mm. And, but if you, you'll, you can see a graphic for that yeah. on my website. But I love yes. that. We'll have to post that. Um, yeah, okay. definitely. You sent me that. What's in your smoothie? Okay, it's something I just discovered. Blue spirulina. I have no so idea what that is. Bright, oh, bright, that. bright blue. You do? Yeah. Who said that? Me. Anna. Anna. Oh, sorry. <gasps> I have a name. It, it's rare. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I follow. Well, my sister got into it like because it got like really big. Like I think three, three or four years ago. Oh, okay. I and then regular spirulina, like greens, is there, so are they different? It's like the blue pigment has been taken out, what I understand for this. Mm-hmm. Anna, okay. correct me if you know something else, but. I don't know. So I put bananas, mm-hmm. apple, lime juice, frozen mango, and the blue spirulina, a little bit of water. And it's Yum. so good. So telling you that I made the TikTok will make me actually do it because I haven't made one yet. Uh, Instagram <laughs> reel or a TikTok, but my daughter's telling me, mom, you got to do that. I have so much good video, but it's sort of like creativity. Can we go into creativity? Oh, yeah. I didn't tell you my other drink. Um, <laughs> it's detox tea <laughs> with some soy milk that's just soybeans. There's no, I don't like, I like to have as close to whole foods as possible, 80-20 you know, uh, pumpkin pie spice for the holidays. So it's a pumpkin yummy. spice detox latte with to make it really yummy. I forgot to put it in. I'll add it now. Organic hazelnut extract. Mm. So you oh, get that hazelnut. nutty flavor without the calories and the, you know, not too much. I fat. love how and, you're like just adding stuff as yeah. we go. Yeah, like like cooking. Got... <laughs> That's well, great. We're cooking. Since we're filming this too, I'm going to I'll give a hello to my... There you go. So Kai, I guess we'll just like start off. We'd love to hear about your journey to cooking and just like how a little bit of background on like how you grew up, how you got into cooking. Did you always want to do this? What was your childhood like? Just kind of like work that into kind of like an intro to you and your journey. Okay, thank you for that. Great question, because I'll be off and running on. (laughs) It's good. You guys keep me focused. We'll Um, try. So I actually had a really unique upbringing. My grandmother uh, started in alternative school in 1949. It's in its like 73rd year, something like that, 72nd, 71st year. Okay, getting ahead of myself, I can do math. (laughs) And it was, creativity was very, very much encouraged. And it was also about life skills and all that more than just focus on reading and writing. She felt that she was way ahead of her time. She felt that kids naturally want to read and write and all that stuff. And, and that everyone is unique, just like in uh, 
health journey. Everyone's unique. We need different things at different times. So kids are like that too. So it was very much focused on the unique individual and we were able to do a lot of creative things. I was drawn to cooking. Also, I love painting. Uh, we did a lot of theater. And I'll go back to one of my mentors um, was a teacher there and was friends for many years. That was really a creativity mentor for me. Um, but uh, so if I wanted to raise money for something like a trip, or even a political candidate or something. I remember 11 years old. I could make lunch for the whole school and sell it by the plate. Mm. And so at mm. 11, 12. And the other thing that was really cool about the school, it was such a community and often, she didn't want to exclude anyone. So even though it's a private school and it costs money to attend, it was, we were all about the scholarship fund and she wanted anyone from any walk of life to be able to be at the school that wanted to and they would trade, whether it was cleaning, whether it was teaching, they could trade something. So mm. there was a couple of incredible gourmet chefs, one in particular, Huli Citron was her name at the time, and it's Huli Slow now, and she had a catering business, she taught us gourmet cooking, and I was, she was sending me out on jobs, catering events, like film th shoots at like 13 and 14. Wow. wow. Her son now, Josiah Citron, has like a two-star Michelin restaurant. I used to babysit him you wow. know, when he's got this. And he had giraffe and then Melise, and then he just opened one called Charcoal in mm. LA. Ooh. Anyway, so at 15, I was her apprentice at her cooking school. And it was just, she's just, she was my mentor in so many ways about how it's so much about your attitude and your putting your love into the food. It's not technical. I didn't go to culinary school. So how at 23 do I land a job like Steven Spielberg? You know, so it's Crazy. about how do they, it's, I mean, it's also just, you know, I'm your karma and whatever your life is supposed to be. But I remember I got the job through, or I got the interview through an agency, like a domestic hmm. agency, like the places cooks. Tons of people interviewed. You first interview, they like your personality, then you get to do an audition, basically, like a make food. So, and if they lots like your food, pressure. they like your personality. What? Oh, lots of pressure. I, know. <laughs> I would God, be so I was, nervous. I was yeah. <laughs> so nervous. I had never, so I had all these great ideas. I heard he wanted healthy food, so I got all these, like, I knew what I was going to make. And the night before, the audition thing they said he wants fried chicken and lemon meringue pie okay i'm 23 i had had a catering business for years had i ever made fried chicken or lemon meringue pie no <laughs> so they didn't have the internet right back then i got out joy of cooking i'm like frantically trying to look up uh Lemon meringue pie recipes and fried chicken recipes and and um, so the lemon meringue pie turned out amazing. The fried chicken did not, <laughs> um, and they liked me enough to give me a second try. Me and one mm. other guy, and then I then they said I could make anything I wanted. Mm. So then I was in my element. I made like grill. You know, I haven't been a vegan forever. That's only like the last 14 years because of some 
perimenopause stuff and a doctor recommended it. Um, he said, I just read this book, The China Study, try giving up all animal products. Maybe their hormones are messing with yours. So I tried it and it worked wonders. So, uh, and so I did grilled ahi with a, uh, a sauce that I put on top that was just like fresh mint and tomatoes and balsamic vinegar and what I, oh, I made a corn chowder and Mexican corn muffins and mm. what else did I make? And then um, I had it all ready to go. You know, food has to be timed just so. That's a lot of pressure. Catering was a lot of pressure in that way, but in a fun way. I was talking about putting attitude in the food, but anyway, so... And then he didn't show up. Oh my gosh. You know, gosh. he's Steven Spielberg. He got busy, right? What is like, he's gonna go, oh my God, I have to rush home. There's somebody interviewing to be my cook. <laughs> uh, when he's working on something and I thought, oh well. And then what I heard was he came in and just started munching on what I had left there and said, who made this? And then, oh, Kai, hire her. Oh, wow. That's wow. Amazing. Yeah, so that so you were cool. his like, personal chef? Like, in his house. In his house? Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really cool. So that was really cool. That's so amazing. Yeah. And then I went on, I didn't mention it in because I just threw a couple of the more famous ones. But during that whole time, uh, his main producer, Kathleen Kennedy, and her husband, Frank Marshall, she had produced every Spielberg movie from E.T., she started as as his assistant, then started her own company and made things you all, all have heard of, like The Sixth Sense and mm. Signs and all these incredible movies uh, that they did on their own. But he gave her E.T. like, um, here, why don't you tr try your first thing at producing, you know, try this little one. <laughs> and turn out to be E.T. This little movie. Yeah. This little thing. So this I got thing. to... <laughs> I catered their Thanksgivings, um, and then I ended up being their chef for maybe five years or something like that. Um, the Spielbergs, a chef that they had had before that they said you could have your job back whenever you wanted, that he went to start a restaurant somewhere. And anyway, it didn't work out, and he came back, and so that's why I stopped working for him. It was you know, under a year, but it was uh, a great experience, and ran into him. My brother... Um, is a television producer and produces variety shows and awards shows. And he was producing the Academy Awards, like the second in charge. He's the first in charge on the SAG Awards now. But I got to do something called being a seat filler, which is you sit in the seats, not like a seat filler, but a seat mm -hmm. filler because they don't want to pan the audience. They have empty seats. Yeah. And so I got to sit in Robert Downey Jr.'s seat when he won for Chaplin because he oh was up accepting the award front row center. And he came back and said, thank you for keeping my seat warm. <laughs> and then I turn around, this is like years, a few years, I was, was I pregnant with Sonora. Anyway, I had been several times, and one time I was pregnant with Sonora, so she got to go to the Academy Awards. But <laughs> um, I turn around and like five rows behind me is Steven Spielberg oh my God. and Kate Capshaw, and they're, and they're like, Kai, what, what, what are you doing here? <laughs> what are you up for best cook? <laughs> so do you view teaching about health as much as just as much a creative act as cooking? Or do you see those as kind of two separate um, spheres of what you do? One is creative, one is not, or are they both creative to you? 
That is such a good question. I, um, I think it's like it's all creativity when we're in a zone and when we're not in that zone, none of it is creative. So it's like mm. um, cooking can be non-creative and it can mm. be creative. It mm. depends on where you're coming from with it. Teaching can be non-creative or it can be creative depending on wh where you're coming from with it. So it's sort of like what I tell people, they'll ask questions like, does Weight Watchers work? Or is keto good for you? Or is whatever. And I'll say, it all depends on you and if you're ready. Mm. And the way you approach something, if that kind of answers your question, I think it's also where you are in your life. So when I was really into cooking, and yeah, I mean, I'm still really creative with, with cooking now. They're all intermingled with me. Yeah. So when I'm in that creative zone, which I think is more about getting out of your own way mm. and allowing some greater force to come through you, I mean, that's where creativity really happens, yeah, I, think. I think. But we do a lot of preparing ourselves to be that ready. And I think that's really my job these days is to, for myself, to because, keep a clean channel, but also help other people. It's all about listening to your own gut. Mm -hmm. Like I'm the most creative when I take really, really good care of myself. I use my whole ring of keys, which I can go into, my, and my BLT, in order to get me into a space where I'm kind of an open vessel for good creativity to come through. Of course, it's this dance between wildness, letting your creativity flow, and the discipline of the steps to carry that out. Because you all know when you're in a, one of those really high creative flows, and you get all these incredible ideas, and you just, you don't even sleep because they're so good. And then the next day you're like, oh my God, I can barely function. What was I thinking? That sounded really, mm -hmm. I knew it. I could see it. And so it's almost like you have to wear two hats, like the creator and the editor, mm. unless you're yeah. in a partnership. Yeah. This is fitting in so well with what we've been talking. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad. Yeah, this is like perfect. Last episode, this like just is fits in really well so keep going oh my god I love it so I think it's a dance and I think that when I know you guys read some books and do some different things and some of my favorite one of them Anne, Anne Lamott she wrote a book called Bird by Bird I love that book it's a page so turner good. it's about mm -hmm. writing and it's a page turner and yeah. I have a signed copy that I just loaned out i to get that back amazing and uh and I've given out other copies of it. That's the way I am with my favorite books. Buy five copies, give them to everyone. I gleaned three really important things from that book. One was, and I use it all the time, throw up and clean up. Mm. So mm. what limits us in creativity is perfectionism. Yeah. That kills creativity, right? And that I got that from Brene Brown. I mean, if you've seen it, even though her work is all about vulnerability and shame and all that stuff, it's really about creativity because she has a book called Daring Greatly. Mm -hmm. And she talks about, and there's one called the, the Gifts of Imperfection. Yeah. So we're so afraid to be seen and unloved and whatever and this is what stops us like oh my god i have all these amazing ideas and then when you wake up in that like 
slump and you're like, it's not going to be perfect. I'm just not going to do it. I'll just eat something or, you know, do whatever. So, and when I'm in a creative flow, <laughs> guilty, <laughs> guilty. But what I like, um, um, when I'm in a creative flow, creative flow, and it it doesn't happen all the time. Like I'll go a long time and I sleep, you know, good eight, nine, ten hours a night. I go to bed early. I sleep a long time. When I'm in a creative flow, it's like every other night I sleep, mm. and. To someone else, that could look crazy. Mm. Like there's something about wildness and craziness and messiness that goes along with creativity, but it, it doesn't have to ruin your life. You know, um, and Liz Gilbert talks about that too. But anyway, the three things from her throw up and clean up. So um, you just have to let yourself be able to go, blah, this is like, okay, this is the story. And then you come back and you put on your editor's hat. And you reread it and you know exactly what to leave out and change. But you have to f have this safety to take the risk to like write it all down completely messy and imperfectly. Mm -hmm. Like make a huge mess and then clean it up. And that's how you really do some cleaning in your closet. Like take everything out and like you're like, I, what are you doing? Oh my God, this looks crazy. Oh, I'm cleaning my closet. Oh, cool. You know, it looks way worse before it gets yeah. better. You know, every creative thing has an ugly stage, whether it's cooking. You know, like, it's like it starts out good. You have all these good ingredients and then you start, you wouldn't want to eat it then. You wouldn't want to look at your painting then. You wouldn't want to look at your manuscript then. And then you go in and you clean it up. So throw up and clean up. Uh, oh, the other thing she said is when you're just blocked and you know this incredible book you want to write or a movie or whatever, she's like, you plan for your goal for the day to write a shitty first draft of a, one paragraph. Mm-hmm. Love don't, it. So you good. know, we set our goals way too high and then we don't do anything. And people do the same thing with their health. Mm. They set their goal, yeah. I'm going to be perfect. I'm never going to eat another, never going to eat sugar again. I'm never going to drink wine. I'm never, and then they fail, mm -hmm. of course. And then they just go back to their old way. So that's why I know yeah. you guys, <laughs> click, click, and I'm called out. See, you know how I know this stuff? I'm the worst at it. It's like I wrote this book for me. Like I, I set my goals way too high for, for this podcast. I was like, I'm going to re-see my movie. I'm going to reread my two books. Oh so my I, I'm like, are you kidding? I can barely like get my exercise done. And get a good night's sleep and do my own spiritual practice and feed myself and whatever and talk to the people I need to talk to who has time. So it's almost like though, you know, when you get in that creative flow, you're doing all your little baby steps. You're doing everything you need to do to keep yourself going. And then in that brilliant moment, when you let go, you can create something gorgeous, but it's like yeah. it came through you. But all those steps are important leading mm -hmm. up to it like you've got to do it like every morning I do what came to me in this in the in the book the BLT I yeah. do so you will practice 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 I have a good story about that but you go can ask a question too <laughs> okay well it I was looked just like gonna... it looked like Anna wanted to say something oh go ahead oh Christine did you want to say something before I ask my question well I would no why don't you go ahead and then okay well, I was going to say talking about like restrictive diets, like, or, you know, decisions when people say like, oh, I'm going to count sugar 
I'm going to do this. And that's something that I have, like, I think everyone's experienced that where like they set a huge goal, maybe like a new year's goal and then they can't do it. Right. Right. Like a creative goal. And so I was wondering like what rituals or habits you had in creating or cooking that helps you make it a lifestyle and not make it so like restrictive. Like I have to cook with hemp seeds or I have to do this, you know? Oh, that's such a good question, Anna. So (laughs) I have, (laughs) well, so glad you asked. (laughs) Okay. So that's the book that I just came out with. Ooh. Kai's Garden, The Juicy Details. It's spiral bound. It's so it lays flat. It has 125 pictures. It's really easy to use. And it has in here what I, even though it's for health and well-being, I would use these exact same keys for creativity. So I'm just going to show you. And then don't forget, I want there's I have two little stories that relate to what I was saying. Okay, so the ring of keys to a healthy lifestyle. I am going to answer that question just to, i know on your podcast you can't see the picture but you guys can see me and yeah see it's amazing yeah Am we'd I... love to hear about that that transformation too but i don't want to okay i want you to also answer Anna's i want to answer so um <laughs> one of the ways so it's something we talk about in the movie that you need the safety to take the risk so the safety might be it's different for everyone anna um, so I hesitate to say one thing, but one of the twos is to remember 80-20 for one, that don't do it perfectly. Don't even try. Like try to be an imperfectionist. Number oh, two, okay. um, that um, there's not one answer. There's a whole, it, it, there's not one key. There's like a whole ring of keys to a healthy lifestyle, all to be used in a flexible way the rest of your life. So it's for the rest of your life. So you can just relax rather than, okay, for six weeks, I'm not going to have any blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, how about, here's the new diet. I mean, I'm sure there's something out here, out there that says it, but it's like the intuition diet, like being sort of, well, in, in my book, there's a section on cleansing. So if you get super clean, you're going to know what you need and what you don't need. And nobody is going to ever do it perfectly. I still don't do it perfectly. I've been working on it and teaching it for years. And I still don't do it perfectly. But I do okay. I do good enough to, I mean, about, you know, every so often I go back up. I fl- you know, my weight or my health gets out of whack. It's not just about the weight, but it's just like being healthy. It's like to just sort of embrace that you're always going to go a little off course. Yeah. And then you just sort of bring your lovingly bring yourself back on. I don't know. Does that help answer your question? No, that makes a lot of sense. Definitely. I have other specific tips, but sort of why I had to put it all in a book. Because, you know, I'd want to give you guys four days worth of information in a retreat. <laughs> and so I, I created these right before COVID. The whole plan was once my film finally got done, because I thought I needed to retire from doing all the work myself. I wanted to travel. I wanted to have really like quality time with the people that I love. I wanted to meet a man, which I did. And so I thought, what if I put it all into a movie and a book so I could sort of reach more people and uh, I can be free to do what I want to do and actually be an example? 
of what I'm teaching because in order to keep the retreats low cost and do them all the time and did everything myself, I was sort of not practicing what I preached 100% because it was really hurting myself mm. by overdoing. So anything I don't answer here today is in my book or in the film. So do you want to talk a little bit about um, your retreats and how you kind of switched from being a chef to a, a teacher, like a personal chef, I guess? Oh, yes. A teacher. That's also a great question. You guys, jeez, we could have a five-hour. Is that Christina? She does all the work. It's <laughs> awesome. Oh, no. Well, especially since there's four of you today, I feel very honored that this is, <laughs> is this the first one where yeah. you're all yeah. four here? Yeah, yeah, this is the first. I mean, First I'm like one. getting interviewed by four people. That's like getting <laughs> massaged by four people. Like, where one's oh doing your gosh. feet. Some right? people, that happens in Bali. Someone's doing your nails. Someone's massaging your feet. Someone's uh, doing oh my your gosh. hair. Love <laughs> that's it. us. Yeah. yeah that's, that's you, guys. Yeah. So, um, so how I transitioned from that is actually was very dramatic. Um, I didn't grow up thinking, God, I, I want to clean people out. Um, I, um, but so I was doing the whole chef thing and I was a spokesperson for a few different companies where I go on morning TV and talk about the product and cook and, and little PR campaigns. And then my mom was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and at my age right now at 58 and she was the most incredible person in the world. And I was living in Los Angeles. She was living in Northern California with, with my dad and, and right next to my sister and her family. And they thought she'd have a year or two to live. And Sonora, my daughter was eight. And I was like, I need to move up there, little small town. Mm -hmm. um, and, but I had been divorced and I didn't, you know, we, I wanted it to be, workable with Sonora's dad and so it took a little while but we moved up there to that small town at the time I was doing all the meals for an eating disorder center and I worked out with wow. them that I could continue to do it from up there I drove eight hours once a week for two nights and back and I was able to support myself and my daughter and have those five days off essentially when I was home um, and to be with my mom, to be with my daughter. So that was kind of incredible, but kind of crazy, right? It was my creative solution to be with my mom yet still have an income, because it was this little small town. Who am I gonna cook for up there, right? So um, my mom had a long history of constipation hmm. and she was gonna do chemo. I wasn't as knowledgeable at the time. I knew about healthy eating, but I wasn't a vegan. Um, I went to a friend for colon hydrotherapy. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. Well, you saw it in the film. <laughs> um, and she said, you should buy a machine for your mom. If she's going to have chemo and she has that constipation issue, it's just going to kill her faster. Mm -hmm. And so I was inspired. We chipped in and I bought the machine and I thought, oh, I'd like to get one once a month anyway. That's cool. And um, my mom lived five years. Um, Some of those years, she was well. She was more there for us than we were there for her. I mean, she was just incredible. Now, 
we didn't change the eating. We had bacon. We had, you know, I mean, I maybe today I could have done more if mm -hmm. I knew more. Um, maybe she would still be alive. Maybe it was her time to go. I don't know. But um, in doing that for her, I thought, oh my God. And I still, I did that drive for three years. Now, the first year it was just once a week. And then the second two years, it was every other week. And I was able to support myself on that. Um, and I liked what I was doing. I trans So I transitioned first, Noelle, was that Noelle that asked me that? <laughs> um, that from being cooking for the rich and famous to cooking, doing the meals at the eating disorder center. So I was sort of, at the time, right before I got the spokesperson gigs, I was sort of, my heart was done with just being a private chef in someone's home. I was sort of mm -hmm. like, no disrespect for, I loved all the people that I worked for, but I was a glorified servant, you know, which was fine. And it worked for me really well. It was a perfect job to have while I was pregnant and raising Sonora. I would work five hours or so a day. She was napping three of those, like when I first had her. So I was yeah. able to, it was a way to be a chef and not have the incredible physical demands which come with being a chef. That's, that's very much a young person's job. And it was, it was an occupational hazard for my weight mm. to be stress and food, all that combined. Um, once I had lost the weight, and Sonora was a little older, and I just started to want to do more creative things. It just wasn't quite the fit for me anymore. And I, I didn't, I, I let that go. Actually, the, the producers that I was mentioning worked for, they were going to go on location. They weren't going to need a chef. So I lost that job, and I thought, I don't want another one. I don't want to start mm -hmm. over. And I remember I was driving, and I thought, I have a daughter to support. I have an overhead. I'm living in LA. I just let go. Okay, universe, I give you all my finances. Within 24 hours, I got a call from someone I had done the spokesperson thing before um, saying, I got another gig for you, but I want you to ask for twice as much this time. This is a long time ago, and it was like $1,000 a day. I'm like, wow. And it wasn't like lots of days. But it got me through. Like, I didn't actually have a job for about six months, living in Los Angeles, raising a child. And somehow wow. I got by. And, um, and then I found that gig uh, through a, a great friend, um, Liz Margolis, she, who I adore. She's like, do you know someone that might be able to do the food at the Seating Disorder Center? Um, she's like, I know you're so busy and TV and whatever. I said, I started thinking about it. And I'm like, yeah, I know someone. How about me? <laughs> and I, because I could cook at home and I brought it and, and I, it felt like I just want to do something that matters, that I care about. Yeah. So the people I worked for were amazing, but they have different priorities when you're that famous or that rich yeah. or whatever. Um, and anyway, I just felt like I wanted to do something more that was of service. And so that was a way for me to make a little living. Yet at the same time, I felt like I could put some love into the food and work with these girls that were having these eating disorders and teach them sort of how to cook and put. Anyway, so that was that. And then I had the colon hydrotherapy machine to help mom. And then I thought I was tired of driving. Yeah. Eight hours each way. Um, 
and being away from my daughter and my daughter, all that stuff. And I thought, what if I did this? What if I did this? It's one-on-one. -on -one. I'm helping people. I can give them recipes when we're done. I can inspire them on what to eat. And my dad said to me, what to eat? The only problem you're going to have is how to fit everybody in. Going to have is how to fit everybody in in this tiny <laughs> little town. And he was right. I had all the business I wanted. Hmm. People want to. They were like hooked on it. How good you feel in one hour? I could make people feel like amazing. Yeah. So. Yeah. So Deborah, um, who we who has <laughs> been on the podcast, so our listeners know yes. Deborah, but she at first told me about it. And I think she attended one of your retreats or part of a retreat or something. Um, I, I, I kidnapped her. You kidnapped her. Yeah, that's what she said. <laughs> because, <laughs> but she gets kidnapped yeah. by everyone because she's so lovely. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, it's amazing. And then if, you know, if we've watched the documentary and the, the work that you do, it's just so cool that it's like not just health. It's like this community that you build and like you guys talk about everything like from the spiritual to like eating to and I like that you everything beauty with it because I have oh. known like a couple like very militant vegans who um and I I know they're not representative of all like vegans of course. I know what you mean though but they're kind of <laughs> like well well it doesn't matter if it tastes good or if it looks good it just needs right. to be healthy and or they have vegans that don't even care if it's healthy Oreos are yeah. vegan, you know. Yeah. Pota yeah. Potato <laughs> chips are vegan. I mean, yeah, there's yeah. a range. I'll let you. I'll let you finish. Let you finish. Oh, but yeah, just how much you were like, it, it needs to be easy to make. And I was like, oh, speaking my language. And you're like, beautiful. <laughs> I was like, yes. And you're like, mm. yeah, be healthy. I was like, oh, I could. That this is great. <laughs> and I should clarify. I can't even really be called a vegan. Because. Uh, I have honey right now. Sometimes mm -hmm. I don't. Uh, a vegan is a broader term. I mean, I, I just use it either. Oh, do you have anything vegan? You know, I'm vegan. I want that kind of, you know, because people understand it. Yeah. It's more like I'm plant-based. Mm -hmm. I would say I'm 99% vegan, if you want to call that. You know, once in a while there's a shoe might have some leather in it. I'm just saying, um, I'm not, you know, I'm not there. I'm not there yet. I have, I mean, this is my best friends, a couple of my best friends, two of my, two out of three, two out of three out of four, no, <laughs> two, two out of four, uh, BFFs eat meat, eat, you know, I mean, I, so I'm definitely not that ever different things work for different people at the same time. And then this is what I think about Hopefully that this is the right timing for my film because there's some other films that were fantastic and are fantastic and I recommend them in my book. But then, so I hope my film, my hope was that it would answer the, but how can it be yummy and easy and fun and yeah. all that stuff and just and creative. Art, yeah, which is what I really love that it's not like a, well, here's a chore that I got to do. It's like this yeah. beautiful, fun, creative thing out of a sense of health, which is a lot of what we like have talked about in our podcast, that creativity comes out of a sense of health, not out of like this desperate, starving artist kind of <sighs> mm. That's so true. And my dad always taught me, you can't be teachy and preachy <laughs> about it, that you want to, what he... He did a very unique thing when, because I didn't really finish talking about my upbringing, 
that he would hold these meetings in the homes of people in Hollywood, like writers, producers, directors, and have an incredible speaker like Margaret Mead, which you guys might be too young to know who that is, at Carl Sagan you've heard of probably. Um, all these incredible uh, speakers and would inspire the writers to put something really meaningful, social issues and stuff, into their entertainment. Hmm. So he would say, so they would call him like a soft lobbyist. It was just his own little nonprofit organization where he would, you know, inspire people to put something meaningful into their, like you have to entertain them. He said, the word entertainment means to hold in wholeness. Hmm. So the storytellers, these are the people that are going to change the world, not the people that you should do this. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, storytelling is definitely better than, more effective than uh, pushing your, I don't know, your Agenda. beliefs. And yeah. also, and just to like tie it back into like, like coming from a place of like health and peace and love rather than like, you know, anger and starving, yeah. tortured artistry. <laughs> Beck always says totally. this thing about anger. I do. Beck, what, what do you say about anger? About changing <laughs> people's minds? What do you say? That's a secondary emotion? Like that it, it's... Anger doesn't change. I forget. I forget oh, I think said. that it comes from hurt first or something when you say secondary, like the true emotion is fear. Fear, sadness or something. Is that, yeah. Are you talking about how the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God my like life travelers is that what you're talking about <laughs> no you told me this quote the other day yeah that one. I don't know I don't know which one. <laughs> she'll tell us later oh yeah that I have. so you're talking about um getting off the anger issue no before we get off your anger before we get off your anger issue at the no no it, I, this might help um at the school I was telling you that I grew up in uh-huh they had what we called a mush area. And in morning meeting, and you planned your, I think, even though it didn't shove like a lot of academics, I'm dyslexic, I never wrote anything till I was in my mid 40s and wouldn't want anyone to read it. And here I wrote two books, which is crazy. But, um, but they had a mush area. And in the morning meeting, you could say, well, I'm angry because of such and such and I need a mad time today. And you'd plan that with a teacher and you could go in and we could throw dishes and water balloons or whatever we wanted and scream and yell. And, and she would just say, you know, if a kid was hitting someone else, let's say Josiah. No, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, she would say, you can't hit a person, but you can hit this pillow. It wouldn't mm -hmm. be just no hitting. It's like, and the kid wants to hit something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. yeah, it's a redirection rather than, which yes. I think also kind of to bring it back, luck. right, which I think can be really important when it comes to creativity is like when you're feeling blocked or like stuck, I'm not creating anything instead of trying to be like, just get over it is to do like, you know, redirect it somehow. Yes, dance, exercise, you know, yeah, do, get the like, keep those keep that flowing because sometimes I get 
really wired and irritated and whatever when some kind of creative thing is coming through. And then that's a great time to clean yeah. or dance or exercise <laughs> and solve it all out and then, you know, get calm enough to have. It's like you can't, back to that other thing about the highs and the lows of creativity. I always thought I loved that feeling up there, like I want to stay here. Yeah. But that's like being madly in love. You can't stay there. You wouldn't be able to operate in life. So I, don't, I started somewhat recently to start thinking, it's not even the goal to stay there. How am I going to implement the, all those great ideas I had when I was in? That's a beautiful place to be, but that's not where you want to live. You, yeah. You're there. And then it's almost like you can be thankful, like, oh, thank God I came down. Now I can actually do the little disciplined things. Yeah. That I need yeah. to do to put those ideas in. And you won't be as high on life while you're doing those. Yeah. Because you wouldn't be effective. Like, I'm the, the biggest one of, I remember, it hurt my feelings at first, but it, she was so right. I had an apprentice the last six months of doing the retreats because I couldn't even move my shoulder. I had shoulder mm -hmm. surgery. I couldn't, I was cleaning the pool. I was doing all the Kalani, some people, I was doing all the cooking, all the cleaning, all, I was like from six in the morning till 10 o'clock at night. Um, it was insane. And I came down and I'm like, she's helping someone, give me someone Kalani, and then we're gonna do that, and then we're gonna do that, and she goes, you're all over the place. And I thought, that's not very nice, I'm her boss, right? she's talking <laughs> to me like that. But it's true, when I'm in that creative flow too, I can look like a maniac. And be, you know, but it's just, so you kind of need to set up the safety to take that risk to be that crazy for a little bit. Like, you got to let go of ego, for one. You have to be willing mm -hmm. to be, you know, look a little odd. And then also how to not look odd in certain circumstances so people take you seriously. Um, yeah. That's some of the things it's taken a long time for me to learn, and it's still really... A challenge for me. Yeah. Mm. There was a course, so, sorry, Sonora, Sonora went to this college up north called Evergreen, which is a really cool school in Washington State. And one of the things that drew her there was a course called Creativity and Madness. Mm. And she didn't even get to take that, and she wasn't there that long because she was only 15. But anyway, but just that thought, I went, hmm, that's so interesting. Yeah. I had a, a little bit about your um, teacher who was a chef um, who really inspired you and was like a mentor of yours. Did you, who are some of your other mentors and influences yes. in your, in your cooking and in your um, like health uh, uh, lifestyle yes. and stuff? And right. Yes. Well, so that was Huli. That was my first big because she was so I loved her attitude. She was just, and she was beautiful, and, and she just seemed at ease with all that. We got along so well. And then another one, um, the mother of some guys I went to school with, Sylvia Dodge, was Barbara Streisand's private chef when I was like 15, 16. And I would work with her when she did caterings and preparing food, and I learned a lot from her, and I just got to see her after 32 years. Oh, and she, she so had cool. the last time was my wedding 
and they had, wow. they had moved to Bend, Oregon, and I've been meaning to get there forever. And we had a COVID safe visit and got to see her son, which was one of my first big crushes, and meet his wife. And um, so that was totally cool. So Sylvia's awesome, and she made me this incredible meal. And then there'll be a TikTok or Instagram reel or some YouTube thing of we filmed me teaching her something, oh, wow. with my, which was really cool. And then for creativity, my mentors were Kathy Kamen Goldmark, who is one of my best friends who passed away at 64. She was my teacher at that school, and then we stayed friends. So I was nine, and she was in her early 20s when we met and we, as I grew up. And, and she's one of the most creative people I know. She started a band of famous authors, like a rock and roll band, Stephen King, Amy Tan, uh, Dave Barry, all these people, they're called the Rock Bottom Remainders. They're all authors. And she started the band because she had a company that did uh, author escort. Like when they come to a, a city to do a book tour, she'd kind of take care of them for a few days and take them to all their appearances. And she just got to, like Maya Angelou, her buddy, and you know, all as, um, Judy Collins called and sang Amazing Grace to her on her deathbed. I mean, like, just like, oh, she wow. just got wow. to know all these people. And she's, she, she was always in garage bands. She was our drama teacher singing. Um, oh, when we were little, you guys have heard of Steely Dan, right? Oh, yeah. The, okay. We listen to those records often. In Are you kidding? Okay, so when I was... My two-year-old son's favorite album, yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, I can't believe it. Okay, you'll love this. So when... I was 9, 10, 11, 12. Her boyfriend was the cute one, the drummer. No way. Yes, we would go to parties at their house. They, she snuck us into their concerts. Um, wow. She said she told them we were challenged. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing quotes. And so they got in and she said we acted perfect after we heard we got in. That's so funny. <laughs> She's like, they've never been to a con These are some of my students. They're a little special. <laughs> and um, oh my God. like they were playing with Black Oak, Arkansas. I don't know if you've heard of them anyway. Mm. And uh, oh, she, we even had like a little group where she said, okay, my, my boyfriend's in a band and they're looking for a name. Could everybody try to come up with some band names? We didn't come up with the one that it is. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> um, we won't go into that. Yeah, I, I don't... know that story. <laughs> okay, so, um, uh, oh, and then what we did, think it was creativity, she, she would play us, there was an instrumental song on one of those albums, and she would have us write stories to the music, mm. and then we performed it in a show. She was just like, Talk about creativity. We would do plays and like Wizard of Oz and there wasn't enough parts, big parts for everyone that wanted them. She wrote in new parts and wrote songs for them. Now she was in her 20s. Wow. I'm thinking of her as being like we had an elephant that couldn't remember and a tin lady also who needed confidence and the witch and the witch's daughter. And I was the scarecrow just have to say if I only had a brain it was perfect <laughs> and uh, so she would write complete songs for those new characters and write them in we did 
Fiddler on the Roof. I was the tailor. Uh, I always played boys. I was the father, and we did, what did we do? Peter Pan. But I was also Tiger Lily. So anyway, so she was incredible. Okay. And then spiritual mentors. Also, my mom was one. She was a poet and uh, a great writer. And so she was a mentor of mine. And I'm so sad that I lost both of them. And a third one that I lost, so I feel like they're here today, my three angels. Chris Evett, she, I met her on a plane. And she wrote a bunch of books. One was called 30 Days to a Simpler Life, How to Organize Your Closet and Your Life. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, when I first wrote my first draft of the BLT book, she read through it and gave me feedback and stuff. And that was really helpful. Same with Kathy. Um, My mom had already passed away when I done that, but Mm. I feel her spirit anyway. And then for authors, like spiritual stuff, I haven't even got to the food people though. (laughs) Um, so many Uh, which I will but uh, so much of that was self-discovery but I'll I'll think about that Uh, I love Tosha Silver I don't know if you guys have heard of her she has a book that I think you will absolutely love called Outrageous Openness Hmm. and it's my favorite I would say that's my favorite book Tosha Silver, Marianne Williamson Hmm. uh, has a great book The Work Prayers in her Illuminata book I, don't, I never could have done live TV if I didn't read those right before I went on. Mm. So it put me in the right place. Liz Gilbert, I love Big Magic. Eat, eat, pray, love. I haven't read it. We always talk you, about that. You've got to read it. Yeah. You it's read so it. good. And Anne Lamott. And then for food, you know, from a young age, I was coming of age in like the 70s and fasting was in and and all that stuff. And um, Noelle's talking, but I don't know who she's talking to. It's sorry, there's just some background noise. Okay, got it. Um, So I started this kind of health journey young. My sister went vegan for a little while when I was like 24, because she read Diet for a New America. Um, so I could say that part of the journey, you're talking about health mentors and I'm trying to think if I, I didn't really work with anyone like that, Mm. except I read every book that resonated. I tried every, you know, but you know what that came out of was my own suffering Mm. of being unhealthy and overweight and wanting so bad to feel good and feeling like I would be of much better service in the world and I would enjoy my life a lot more if I felt good. I felt good about myself and felt good in my body. So I devoured whatever I could find that resonated with me. So and that went through stages. And now I'm grateful that I had those problems and still struggle with them because it does make me more compassionate and better at working with people. Not that I'm perfect at that. I was noticing at the end of my retreats that it was really time for me to do something else because I would notice that I'd have a little bit of attitude. Like, really? There's even a place in the movie where I'm like, 
oh, you don't eat dairy. You know, or, you know someone goes, oh, I don't eat dairy. I'm like, yeah, that, I, will I accept. saw that. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm thinking that had a little bit of attitude. I mean, we were just joking, but it was slightly judgmental or whatever. It's like it was we, good, though. It was good. Okay. I thought it was yeah. funny. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was good. Okay. Anyway, I tried, we try to do, I just said my work in progress. You know, we just keep getting better, but I like, there's some mentors that I learned from that were maybe too fanatic, but I got something great from what they did. So like there's yeah. a book called Green for Life by Victoria Botanko. And if you want to know about green smoothies, that's the Bible on it. So I got really into green smoothies because of that. That's what ended up into the BLT. So you've mentioned the BLT quite a few times. What Can you tell us more about how it saved your life? Yes. <laughs> like what is Absolutely. This? So the full story is in the movie and in the book. And this book, I just want people to know, uh, when it was coming to me, the creative force, it said, you have to have a version that's free. So mm. if you go on my website and you want to read this book, the, the, the PDF is free. Ooh, I'm going to now cool. sell these for what, what it costs to print them. They cost $5 each to print, and I'm going to put them on sale for $4.99. So I'm going to sell them for less than what it costs me. Yeah. Wow, below amazing. cost. Below cost. Signed <laughs> wow. and wrapped and free shipping. Amazing. Okay. Wow. And th this one is just, was just way too expensive to print. Yeah. And I need, I need the funds to get to Australia. And I need to unload them. So I have, I have 50 left. And I'm going to do free shipping for the holidays. And I'll wrap them and sign them. Ooh. They cost $15 each to print. I sell them for $24.44. So that's not bad. I mean, that's about, you know, gas to go to the... But I'm going to... Hopefully, I'll sell them all at once and go all to the, to the post office in one day and send them off. And that'll give me my money for my flight to Australia, hopefully for my visa, too. Yeah, I'll that. get the cheap one. But anyway, so the BLT, I just dropped it. I just dropped the book, <laughs> but I don't need it. I know it like the back of my hand. <laughs> um, so this is so interesting because that, that something, something really horrible and wonderful happened to me in Paris, Ooh. and I, I, I thought I would be like a basket case for two years after what happened. But then I met this incredible woman on the plane, Chris Evett. Um, and she introduced me to someone who was like a spiritual mentor. I mean, she just told me about her. She's like, have you ever heard of Byron Katie? And I'm like, no, never heard of her. And she said, because she asked me why I was in Paris. And I told her what happened. And she said, you want to try something? And she did this thing with me. And I, and I went from... I'm going to cry for two years, too. I'm happier than I've ever been, and I'm going to write a movie about it. Wow. In the plane ride. So then I love this woman, Byron Katie. Check her out. It's thework.com. She's awesome. And um, so, but that story, you know, life took over. I had the big inspiration. I'm going to write a movie. Hilary Swank is going to play me <laughs> or Jennifer Garner. You know, imagine me with love dark it. hair. Yeah, I can see it. <laughs> Jennifer okay. Garner, definitely. Okay. <laughs> or Hilary Swank, yeah. Either, yeah. Either one. With dark hair. With dark hair. You know. But um, but then it never happened. You know, I had kid I had was I have one daughter, but I was living with a man. We had a house together and he had three. So we have four teenagers at once. I was 
doing my business. I was doing the cooking. I was, do, you know, I, when am I going to write a movie? Right. Mm -hmm. So then my daughter wanted to visit her cousin in upstate New York at college. And so I said, well, she's 14. I don't, yeah, I don't really want her to go to New York city without me. I'll go, but she can be at the college in upstate New York visiting while I lock myself in a bed and breakfast and freaking write that movie. Right. Wow. So on the way there, but I'm just like freaking out, like, ah, I don't know how to write it. I want to write it. I don't know how to write it. I'm passionate about it. I don't know what to do. Um, Love that. And so I stopped on the way that uh, a cathedral called Grace Cathedral, which is incredible. And it's very non-denominational and just really, they even, it looks like this grand Catholic, but maybe Episcopalian or something. And, but they do like yoga classes there. I mean, it's like something out of, Harry Potter and but they have a labyrinth and on the labyrinth it says this is for you know anyone for you know spiritual growth on your walk into the labyrinth let go of all the details of your life in the middle is for prayer and guidance and reflection and the walk out of the labyrinth you guys know what a labyrinth is right like yeah a, yeah not a maze but um that's to heal and strengthen for your walk into the world so I'm like take me. I just like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I got to do it. I think creativity, setting a goal like that forces us to grow enough to be able to do the thing. So mm. I walked the labyrinth and these eight words came to me right in a row, clear as day. And I thought, oh my God, that's fantastic. All stress gone, feel great. And I thought, whoa, there's something to this. How am I going to remember them? It seems like they need to go in that order. And so, but I had to go right to the airport, which whenever I got stressed out at the time, there was not a GPS that, I mean, maybe there was one, but I didn't have it. And so I'm trying to read the directions I printed out from MapQuest while I'm trying to drive. And I thought, okay, I'm stressing out. What, what were my words? Let me, oh yeah, BLT. Breathe, just let go, and trust. There's eight mm -hmm. words. Anyway, um, all of a sudden I just went, okay, I'm not going to look at the directions. I swear to God, a van from the parking lot I needed to go to got in front of me. And I was thinking, oh, maybe I could just follow that. And then I thought, no, I better double check the directions. It's like, no. When the universe sends you a gift, accept it, right? So I follow it, it takes me right, right where I need to go. So I thought, okay, this is really good stuff. I wish there was an, an acronym so I could remember it. I don't know how to say an acronym. <laughs> I wish there was an acronym. Um, so I wrote down all the letters, I mean, all the words. And I thought, oh, the first three are BLT, that's kind of cute. <laughs> BLT belt. And then I thought, I'm forgetting one. I know I'm forgetting one. Oh, slow down. Funny, I would forget that one, the one that I need the most. So I thought, oh yeah, it went right after trust. And then it, it spelled BLT's belt. And I thought, okay, that is not very good. I wish, <laughs> I wish, I wish there was an acronym that was like serenity or, you know, something, but anyway, it's BLT's belt. So I thought, okay, it is what it is. I'm not gonna change the words to make a cute acronym. It's pretty good. Um, and I just kind of started imagining what it was, like a belt 
And then I went, oh, she's wearing the belt. It's a BLT. My first cover actually was a picture of a sandwich that I made with a belt made out of a scallion around it. But people were so confused and thought that I choked on a sandwich and that was the near-death experience. And so it was a near-death experience, but I'm not going to call it near-death. I actually call it a near-near-death because I didn't go completely out and see the tunnel. It was a near-near-death because I was very, very clear I could die because I was making a smoothie with greens I picked in the wild and I put poison hemlock in the smoothie by accident and may apple which you're up in Appalachia maybe you know about may apple they look like it's just I don't know I got carried away and um yeah so luckily I had been procrastinating writing that other movie and was just like really into the BLT thing and thought, ooh, this would make a great little self-help book. Um, and I was really, it. so in the middle of almost dying, I'm like, what were those words? Uh, this is, this qualifies <laughs> as an emergency. Um, I think I need these words. Um, so I started breathing in the middle of it because I was violently vomiting and thinking, I'm going to die. My daughter's 14. This is not good. And so I just calmed myself down enough to actually remember some solutions. Sometimes we just need to take a breath and let go and like trust that everything's going to be okay. Slow down. Just be right in the moment. Actually enjoy. Give yourself some love, just like forgiveness send love to other people this and then think be thankful so that's the blt's belt but i as soon as i was started to let myself breathe this was after the vomiting calmed down a little bit um i and you could see the reenactment there's a dramatization in the middle of the movie i remember (laughs) and um the full story in the book and so I remembered, oh my God, I brought with me this stuff that's like clay and charcoal. It's the same guy that makes this detox tea, Dr. Schultz. And shoved that down to like soak up some of the poison. So the BLT saved my life for sure. Mm. Because being able to breathe and let go and trust and slow down and be like, I actually not only didn't die, I got to have it be a life transforming experience like it changed my life it didn't just Mm. save my life it changed my life and it continues to save my life so that was 12 years ago in may and i've done the blt as a meditation every day since wow Mm. that's incredible yeah wow that's amazing um so i just have i have two questions and then we'll Unfortunately, we'll have to wrap yes. up soon. Yes. But um, so since this week is Thanksgiving and when oh, this yes. releases, it will be tomorrow. We would love to have, and I know you sent me previously the, the pie. I think it was. Yes, the, I sent you a link to the full recipe with pictures yes. um, of the sweet potato pie. Yes. And that is on my one of my BFFs, uh, Isis's website. 
you asked what tools too, if I can throw that yeah, in. So you want to know to tools. So tools and favorite ingredients would be amazing. Tools and favorite ingredients in the sweet potato pie. I'm gonna be making a TikTok on the a mashed potatoes and mushroom gravy. I already Ooh. filmed it. Roasted Brussels sprouts and grilled tofu. My daughter and I had a pr little pre-Thanksgiving. So um. that I'll do a little YouTube of quick, you know, fed, a fed version of Thanksgiving. You don't have, you know, don't have to pig out on Thanksgiving. You can <laughs> indulge without making yourself sick, right? <laughs> so I still yeah. indulge. I have treats. I have, you know, it's 80-20. Mm -hmm. So you do the best that you can. I don't indulge on meat or gluten or, you know, dairy and that kind of stuff because I don't feel well. Yeah. But everybody has their own version of, of that and transition and could take years. Other people need to do it overnight if they're in pain and, and need a quick change. But... So I love, I even travel usually with, uh, my cookware is very important to me. It's got to be made out of titanium so that you don't put heavy metals into your food and you keep all the vitamins mm. and minerals in. So that's Salad Master cookware. And that my best friend is the, has, is a big distributor in that company. And we do cooking classes and we do live on Facebook. So people can Facebook friend me uh, to, and get on those live cooking classes through Zoom and through Facebook Live. Um, I have a little strainer that I bring with me because I like to do that to do lemons and the seeds drop into it. I put through the detox tea. I'm always needing a strainer for something. <laughs> I like a microplane, which mm. is a, uh, like a great way to do lemon and lemon zest is the magic ingredient. Mm. You always got to have that on hand in almost anything. If it doesn't taste quite right, it needs some citrus usually lemon and lemon zest or lime, um, good salt. I travel with good salt because other kinds of salt are crap for you. Hmm. A little bit of good salt makes it delicious and healthy. You do pink salt? I, I have a salt that's kind of pink. The one I like the best is called real salt because even though Himalayan is great and Celtic is great, it's not a U.S., so it's less... Mm. Um, what causes to the environment to ship it here. Not that I wouldn't have that, but I'm just saying if I'm going to buy regularly, I buy this one called Real Salt. It comes from hmm. Utah, I think. And it's full of all the minerals. So you want whole foods even in your salt. Don't overdo it. But life is short. <laughs> Salt-free diets are rough. And I think there are some benefits to the right amount of salt. So I'm not one of those believers like, life is short, eat donuts all day long, you know, because then, yeah, life is short. You want to feel good. Yeah, life is a lot shorter. <laughs> you love donuts, though. So I was like, You're wait. So <laughs> but, but, but you know what? I had a don couple of donuts last week because there's a place in L.A. There's one in New York. <gasps> is also it Sycar? Wait, no. Sorry. Well, it used to be called Baby Kate's. Now it's Aaron McKenna's Bakery, and it's oh. all vegan and gluten-free. And incredible. They use like fava oh. beans and and uh, garbanzo bean flour, and uh, it's incredible. So, yeah, even it's vegan and gluten free. I'm not going to eat them all the time. That's mm -hmm. still a special treat for me, but I'm not going to deny myself that. I'm I'm I don't have self control, but I've just little by little realized that I want to feel good. Mm. So I'm yeah. if I people say, oh, I don't I don't want to deprive myself. Because I know, and I, I don't want to deprive myself either. But if you have too much of stuff, especially when you're not hungry and the wrong stuff, you're depriving yourself of feeling good mm -hmm. and of health. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I have a great quote for you. 
Delayed gratification, I made this up. Delayed <laughs> gratification is the new instant gratification. Mm. Mm. So here's one. another one. Here's another one from that Carrie Fisher said to me. We we were I got to hang out with her a little bit when I was pretty young. She was young also. I was 20, she was 26, I think, something like that. Um, and she said, the only problem with instant gratification takes too long. Mm. <laughs> that's so funny. But, but that, that's very carry. But um, anyway, but I think putting it off makes you love it. Okay, I know we got to wrap up. So we got the sweet potato pie. What are the other tools? Oh, Vitamix. I have mm. to have a Vitamix. I'm in, I traveled so with good. my Vitamix in my pot, but I left them with my daughter because I'm flying. Can't really take a Vitamix when you're flying. And the people I'm going to do the retreat, I'm in Las Vegas to do a retreat for a couple because um, I'm like, how can I do my work and keep it COVID safe? Okay, only two people. They already know each other. Um, yeah. I'm doing not a regular colon hydrotherapy machine. It's called a Kalima board. They do it themselves. So it took me a while to get up to speed and I don't want to do a lot of those I want to do more showing the film so yeah. you can see the film for free no ads all you have to do is go to Kai Bravo YouTube channel it's free yeah do it if you're not pulled in it don't so watch good. it you know oh, I love right. it. it's great yeah. um so at the end of our interviews we are We've been asking our guests just um, a couple questions, and these are meant to be just like off the top of your head, a sentence answer, um, just the first thing that comes to mind. And these are from Twyla's book, The Creative oh, Habit, which we're going through. And she talks a lot about your creative um, DNA, your creative autobiography. So I'm just gonna ask you two questions um, and would love to hear your thoughts. So the first one is, when you work, do you love the process or the result? Wow. Or both. <laughs> That's a good. I love both. If you just want one word, it did it did make me it did make me think of a very, very quick thing. Yeah, sure. Can I say that? Okay. Because uh, someone very wise once told me, you know, there's when you're surfing, you have to paddle really hard to catch that wave. And if you paddle, though, when it's time to ride the wave, you're going to crash and you're never going to get to where you're going. This is about the process and the mm. result. Like, so what he told me is like, I'm really good at paddling, but sometimes it's time to ride the wave. Mm -hmm. Like if you're over working and working and working and not enjoying the process, it almost doesn't matter about the result. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I love that analogy. Um, and then the second question is, what is your idea of mastery? Ooh. <laughs> that is also a really, really good question. Okay. Sorry, it has to be one more little story. It's what my That's dad okay. used to tell. Um, okay, so he used to tell us these shaggy dog stories to put us to sleep and stuff. And one of them where, is where there was a king and he was the richest king in the land and he wanted a painting of a rooster. So he asked everyone, tell me who's the greatest artist in all the land. And uh, so they told him, he went there and he came in and he said, I want a painting of, an, uh, of a rooster. And he said, okay, it's gonna take a year and it's a million dollars. And he's like, oh, 
oh my god what he's like yep that's that's it all right i want the best i'm the king he left he came back in a year he said okay i'm here i'm ready here's your million dollars i'm ready for my uh rooster painting and he goes he took out a paintbrush and he took a canvas and he went here you go and he's like what you said it would take a year and a million dollars and you did it in three seconds so the mastery it's like he said okay well come here come downstairs and he showed paper mache roosters mm. and you know paintings and etchings and da 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 you know years of well a year of the working on the rooster and then it just comes right out and it's kind of like what mm. i was talking about before of that you put in all that work and sometimes it's just practice like i used to feel so bad like oh i had all these big dreams and then i was going to write and it turned out like crap and nobody showed up and da 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 then it's like but that's late to just go okay that one was practice you know that's with relationships sometimes too it's like okay that was practice that was you know getting yeah. me ready and then it's really in that moment that you create it so i think that's mastery is like trusting that maybe mm -hmm. Yeah, like, preparation. That you still have to prepare. He was the greatest artist in the land. He still prepared for a year. Well, thank you so much. Um, this has been so fun. I wish we had like all night to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. It's um, later there. Jeez. Yeah. I don't even know what bad. time it is. Okay. Um, so Kai's Garden, you can find um, all of this stuff on your website, right? Which is kaisgarden.com. Kaisergarden.com dot com or facebook friend me but there's links for all that my instagram my facebook awesome are on the website or yeah or yeah anyway kai bravo you can facebook friend me amazing all right well thank you so much thank you guys you're awesome thanks for listening to copying creatives we hope you enjoyed the show our theme music is by patrick nichols derek mccauley and patrick nichols are our producers Anna Wayne is our social media creative. Christina Nichols is our special event and guest creative. Rebecca McCauley is our writing content creative. And Noelle McManus is our creative director. To learn more about our creative journey, check out our Instagram at copy underscore and underscore creatives or our website at www.copyandcreativesproject.com. If you enjoy our podcast, please rate and review. We can't wait for you to listen to our next episode. But until then, enjoy your weekend and we'll see you next time.